Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to another episode of the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. It is time for another Myth Monday episode. Ben and Brian here, and today we are talking about fire, fire starting tools to be exact. And the myth we really want to address is about fire starters, tools used to start fires. We love to teach these classes. It's probably one of our most popular classes, and we hear these called the wrong thing all the time. To be specific, we want to address that a ferro rod is not flint and steel. Right, Ben? That is correct. So... We watch TV. We love to watch, you know, Alone, Survivor, uh, Dual Survivor. There's all these Survivor shows and outdoor skill shows on TV. It's very popular in magazines if you're still old school and read magazines like we do. Um, Even you can go to the store and shop for some of these products, and some of them are, I don't know if they're labeled wrong. I mean, people can really call them whatever they want as they're selling a product, but it's not truly what they are they'll they'll even label some of them wrong so if we're going to be talking about flint and steel and ferro rods let's go ahead and jump in and really define each one and explain the differences and then we'll kind of talk about how we use them so i'm going to throw it to you what the heck is flint and steel because when i watch survivor huge survivor fan over 40 seasons old jeffy jeff wants to talk about i'm going to take your flint and steel you win this challenge i'm going to give you your flint and steel back it's not flint and steel. It drives me crazy. Me so too. what is real flint and steel? So let's go back. Yeah, when we talk about tools for fire starting, you know, you have your friction, you have your percussion. Even today we have solar and the crazy side of chemical. So And we're not we're not talking about lighter fluid or lighters here. We know everybody knows what those are, knows how to use them. We right. will talk a little bit about a lighter, but Right. And so kind of looking back, uh going back in time. You know, the very first, it used to be called the first match, which was flint and steel. Before flint and steel came, the bow drill, your friction fires, you know, the natives here in in North America would have used all friction. There was no iron yet. There was no steel production. It would have been just that friction. And we teach that too, but you want to get a group of people frustrated, try to teach them friction fire because it's not easy, my man. It isn't. It is a lot of fun though. Uh, It's a good workout. A little physical endurance. And when you're able to achieve your ember, from a bow drill, it's very rewarding. Oh my gosh, but it is a good feeling. It after is, you catch your breath. Yeah, after you Wipe after you lay down and take breath. a nap. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, after the friction, then we get into that percussion side, which is the flint and steel. So, the original match before there was ever a, anything called a match. How far back you're saying original? How far back we going here? You know, they're talking 700 BC to 40 AD. Gosh, that's wild. They think that they were working with metal all the way back then. 700 you know, then, BC. Right, and then that, as as you know, that had been before we started taking that up in North America. So you're we're we're talking. This is all Europe, European. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But getting into to what we see today, which what we what you could go out and buy today um, online when mm-hmm. we talk about flint and steel, Walmart even. Yeah, they may. Yeah. I, you know, they may may carry the the steel portion. Yep. Um, the flint something you can find. That's and that's what we're going to start breaking down right now. So well, what especially is flint here and steel? in the Ozarks, we can find it because we have so much limestone. But right. We'll get we'll get more into that. Yeah. So you... flint and steel is going to literally be a piece of steel, and a separate thing, which is a rock. Literally okay? a rock. And back in the day, when you're talking about that that type of 
of steel that had been a, a high carbon steel that created sparks. And so they, you wouldn't always have to use uh, a flint rock. You wouldn't have to. It could be a hard rock that's got a sharp edge, but the flint rock or quartz, which inside that bringing it down to get into silica, that is it keeps a very hard, sharp edge so that you can reuse that flint rock right. over and over and so over. You're talking again. something similar to like what Native Americans would have made their tools out of arrowheads. Yeah, arrowheads. The, the flint napping, that skill is Correct. we're talking about this quartz or flint. Yes. That has that sil- high silica content. Yes. And it's it's that's a great rock to use. And and I'm gonna say it one more time. You can use any kind of rock you find because it's the actual steel. Uh, it is a you do have to find you know a high carbon steel. It can't just be. Yeah, I, but I try it can't to pi- be any rock because if it's a soft rock, you're not going to peel away that steel. Correct. It has to be a hard type of sedimentary rock. Yes, and and honestly, a sharp edge is going to to mm-hmm. create that higher spark. But it is the steel that's actually uh, that you are turning into a melted piece of fire. I mean, as it as it's cutting it. So if you have priority between the rock and the steel that you're using, it's the high carbon steel that's more priority than the rock, but you're still going to have to find the right kind of rock. To Correct. Use. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of the whole point there is, is you can carry that around, but you're going to have to find something to strike it with. Um, and so having those two, that's your flint and your steel. And that's right. what they used to carry around. Um, they'd usually keep their steel separate from their flint. A lot of times you would keep your flint and your tinder, which we haven't talked about tinder yet, but your, your tinder that would be dry. Um, it's what you're going to catch the spark in. Right. You know, they would keep that flint and tinder together and, and keep their um, steel separate. Right. But and it was great because it was waterproof. I mean, yeah. you, you can keep those things wet. Um, when you're talking about the steel, this high carbon steel, just so everybody understands, we're not talking about steel that's plated. So we're not talking about stainless steel or chrome plated steel, any of that stuff that's that's really shiny. Think more raw, high carbon steel. Even uh, we've tried. Uh, Oh, what's the rods they use in construction? My mind's rebar. Rebar, yeah, yeah we've rebar. tried rebar before, and it's not high carbon steel, so you're not going to be able to shave that off and get a, a high heat spark off of that. Right, and that's correct. And it is about the steel, which that kind of leads us then, kind of moving into to what we see today. Um, so when we're talking about the steel, what you're actually doing is you're cutting and scraping little bits of that steel off with a sharp edge of the flint. That's what flint and steel is. And then the misnomer is, is getting into what Jeff Probst and, and what people are throwing in right. today, which is different. It is it is different than than the early days of right. making fire um, after friction. So if we're really comparing ferro rods and flint and steel here, we've really talked about, defined, I think, pretty well. Hopefully by the, everyone has an understanding now of what true flint and steel is, dating back to 700 B.C. Now let's define what a ferro rod is, because most people have probably seen these either be used or seen them in the camping aisle at Walmart or... Uh, one of our sporting goods stores, we carry them. We love to carry them in backpacks, and we teach with them. We love them, but let's define what a ferro rod is. So for short today, we're going to be saying ferro rods. Brian, start off by talking about ferro rods. That full name is ferrocerium. Ferrocerium. But yeah. it is several different um, rare earth metals. Yeah. And as they combine them, which one that, that people would know would be magnesium would be in there. And as you take a sharp edge and you literally strike it, run it down the edge of that, you're creating the same concept. It's, it's, it's creating sparks. Yep. Now hot they, sparks. 5,000 degree sparks if you're doing it correctly. Right. When you do it correctly, they're going to tell you that the heat from that that's bouncing, that bead, that hot bead is going to be around 5,000 degrees. And so that 
today there are brands, many brands out there that are making this product, Mm -hmm. but that is not flint and steel. That is something completely different. Right. So kind of what he's talking about, this this mix of metals is is what a ferrod is, mish metals, however you want to say it. The general recipe, it's going to vary by manufacturer because, again, they're trying to get the best, the easiest one to strike, the hottest spark, because they want you to buy it, right? They want to have the best one. But generally, this is kind of the recipe of metals that makes a ferro rod. So we're talking about 50% cerium, 25% lanthanum, 19% iron, and then there's small amounts of presodium, neodymium, and then that magnesium that you talk about. Though All those metals come together to truly make ferrocerium, which is the full term for these blended metals, Ferrorod is the common name, and that is spelled F-E-R-R-O. That's going to be what we refer to when we say ferrorod. When you go to the store and you say, hey, do you have ferrorods? That's what they're going to take you to to find. So we've kind of described what a ferrorod is. Um, now let's talk about what it looks like. So this is a podcast. You can't see us, but you can hear us. We we have put up some pictures and some videos of how we use these and what they are on, on our social media accounts. You can go look at those if you need to. But a ferro rod, basically when you're going to find it in the store, you're going to have a small lanyard. If you were to cut it and lay it out, it's probably a, I don't know, maybe a foot long, but it's tied together or clipped together. And on that lanyard, you have the actual ferro rod, which is, you know, small pencil diameter. We'll say maybe like an ink pen or smaller diameter, and it's going to be, I don't know, three or four inches. You can buy big ones that are six inches long. The bigger they are, the more strikes they have in them. But you're going to have the rod. Sometimes it'll have a little gripper handle on the end of it. And then on the other end of that string, you're going to have the striker, which is usually just a little piece of metal, but something that you can take to that rod and scrape and make sparks to try to light your fire with. When you're talking about brands, that's actually pretty critical to have a great striker. Yeah, the striker is more important almost than the rod. Right. And if that striker is not sharp, um, it doesn't doesn't create that spark very well off of that. Yeah, we've had some we thought were great and then... 100 strikes in, you know, they the strikers done, they're not very good and we've taken old strikers that we like that rods are are worn out and tried to pair them to to other rods because the striker is pretty critical. Right. And that is a one piece thing. So, I mean, when you're searching on Amazon, going to any I actually saw them in a in a local hardware store. Mm, wow. Um so that was new. I was like, "Great, everyone's starting to carry them." Yeah, and you um, can also just buy the ferro rod. Some people just carry the ferro rod cuz they know they're going to have a, a knife. Um, so if you if you were to Google this right now, most of the videos you're going to find, if you were to type in how to make a ferro rod, I'm going to say 99% of those videos are how to put that rod that's already pre-made into a handle. And most yeah. people are like, want to make a birch handle and a plastic handle. And, Which is cool, but you don't even have to have it. No, you don't have to have that handle. And I don't know how to actually make it. If I knew how to make a ferro rod, I just gave you the recipe. I know. You get all those I metals go collect all that down. and smash her together. But do some smelting. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, most of those videos, again, it's just putting a handle on it, and you don't have to have that, just like you said. Right. But um, and even your knife blade, it does have to be the right kind of knife blade. I know those knives that we we teach with in all our classes. Um, they you can't strike a ferro rod with them so like it, on the back of them right on yeah. the spine of your of your knife blade right. you do have to have Something the right kind of knife blade so make sure edged. you're testing that knife if that's what you plan to to be your striker and then sure. talking about like with jeff prost and, and kind of debunking these or not debunking but really talking through what is what you know the show survivor the show survivor yeah. always comes to my mind because every year i watch it 
Jeff started moving into where he throws, like he's starting to throw these things yeah. that here you go, here's your flint and steel. And again, it's not flint and steel. What he's actually throwing to them, you know, no cont- I've never even heard a contestant correct him. I know. Like, no producer, know. no contestant. Do they truly not know, or are they just calling maybe, it that because maybe they're so wrapped up in the moment? Who wants to call him out anyway? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess you you're know. Right. Yeah. Um, but as he throws it to them, what he's throwing them, every one that I've ever seen, and in, in the multiple seasons I have watched, it's a it's a magnesium block, mm-hmm. and on the side of that, which I can't see this, but majority, well, if you go buy a magnesium block, most of the time there's going to be a ferro rod right on the side of it, and so there's a difference there now because magnesium does not start our fire it's right. going to be our it's, it's not going to be our heat source it's going to be our fuel yeah so if you've watched survivor what he's talking about it's a little oh it's probably three inches long and an inch or two wide it's literally a little silver block and then it just looks like a little silver metal block but it is not flint and that's not a ferro rod that is actually just magnesium correct and what's the point of it what do they use that for well so you have your fire triangle Fire has to have oxygen, fuel, and heat. Mm-hmm. So what he is giving them is both heat and fuel. Okay. The ferro rods we are talking about is just a heat source. Flint and steel is just a heat source unless you start carrying your tender. Tender gotcha. Gotcha. is the very first step of fuel. So when we talk about That's fuel. Small, light, fluffy stuff. It's light, fluffy stuff. You know, to give you an example of a great one that we make. Cotton ball. Cotton ball. When I say yeah. we make, I'm saying we, we manufacture that. We, we pull it from the plant. We dye it. We clean it. You know, it comes out in a big bag. Not we as meant to be outdoors, but we Correct. as humans. Yeah, we yes. as a society. Yes. Um, so that cotton ball, you know, when we get in the primitive side, you and I use a lot of cedar bark. Mm-hmm. You can really smash that down, rub that around, and make it fluffy. And that's a great source of tinder. After tindling, you add kindling. But again, I'm, I'm always open for destroying a cedar. I know that breaks my heart. I love cedars because they're so awesome for fire. They're just not great wildlife and habitat, so I'm I'm always down to get rid of them. But I'm fine with you cutting them because once they're they're dead and dry, they're that even dry better. Bark, yeah, that's right. But back to this though, the the magnesium side is is your fuel. That is the fuel source that you. So when you watch that show or anybody using it, you would be taking your knife. Some a lot of times they come with a saw, you know, yeah. a little mini saw that you can use for your striker, and also begin to cut and get pieces, many flakes, of that magnesium into a pile. Yeah, I think that's most apparent in the show. So when they get down to the final three and there's the two, the pick to do the fire challenge, Mm -hmm. it really shows their fire starting skills the best. So they both start by scraping this block. They're scraping it, and they're not trying to make sparks. They are trying to get that magnesium, those flakes, off of there as they're tender, and then they're going to flip that rod over to where the ferro rod is. Now they're going to have their heat source and create those sparks that hopefully... Is going to hit all the magnesium flakes. It's going to flare up and then catch their their natural material, their organic coconut husk. Yeah, when um, they say that their the coconut husk, that would be your first stage of fuel, which is tender, mm-hmm. and that's what they're using first. And as they begin to add their sticks, you're getting into your kindling, and that's all they do because you don't want a sustainable fire. Right. Yeah, you'd be add fuel wood, which is your third, if you wanted a sustainable fire to. So I to just want to be very clear here because this is one that drives me nuts. On Survivor, they use a magnesium block. With a ferro rod on the sign, they do not, never have, probably never will use flint and steel. But you do now know what true flint and steel is because we've described it. And we'll keep talking about it a little more here as we as we share some of our stories. So we love ferro rods. You've probably gotten that by listening to us talk about them here. And obviously we're doing a podcast about them, so we, we have a little passion there. I mentioned earlier, 
our survival fire course is probably our most desired or most booked. People love to take that. We teach it. We've taught it from kindergartners all the way up now. Um, it's about that eight, nine years old when there's the dexterity and strength that they can start to kind of use a ferro rod. But even on up into adults, people love learning how to use these. We carry them um, in our all of our backpacks. There's, there's so many benefits of them. Uh, my favorite is that they're waterproof. Can literally, I could throw this off of my boat, dive down, get it, bring it back up, and light a fire with it. And Correct. if you were ever in a survival situation, whether you're hiking, camping, backpacking, whatever, to be able to have a, a foolproof fire starter like that, as long as you know how to use it and have that skill, is there's <laughs> that's really valuable. Well, that's why I love it the most, and and carry it everywhere with me, and almost mm-hmm. almost in every backpack I have. I have a ferro rod, and I usually have a ferro rod on me every every day. <laughs> yeah. It just whether it be in a bracelet, might be a, a tiny size, whatever. I usually carry one, and that's because your fail rate is super low. So, out of all the devices out there, I can create a fire pretty quickly, especially with the skill and the the practice and and getting better and better. I can make a fire really quickly with a ferro rod, and it's a low fail rate. Like right. When I when I put pressure down on that with a blade or my striker or sharp edge, I'm going to get sparks, and now I got to catch them with that tinder. But the fail rate's very low. That's why I love it so much. So that's why it can get wet and still be usable. Uh, heat. It doesn't matter if it's hot, cold. It doesn't matter. It's it's yeah. almost always going to produce a spark when you. Yeah, and it, it's not it. copyrighted or proprietary or anything. So why don't we share with them kind of the basic steps of how we would. If somebody were to walk in here right now, how we would show them how to use a ferro rod. So when you have a ferro rod, you want I hold the ferro rod in my non-dominant hand. Right. And then I want to use the what we call a striker. Could be a piece of metal. Could be the back of a knife. Could be the knife blade. Just, you got to be careful when you're getting into something that sharp. I'm going to hold that in my dominant hand. Mm-hmm. And when we're teaching this, it does depend on the type of striker you use, but you want to keep that angle very, very low, almost keeping your striker flat, you know, and as you're keeping that flat, you're going to press forward and roll your wrist. Mm-hmm. And as you roll that wrist, that begins to really dig in into that ferro rod. You you are peeling this ferrocerium off of this rod. You're literally trying to peel it off of there as you're striking. Yeah. Which to, to kind of give the, the opposite example, the flint and steel, that's what you're doing too, but right. you're using that, that flint rock mm-hmm. to peel a piece of that that high carbon steel off to create that spark but it's that heat is still not as hot as a ferro rod is right mm-hmm. but it, and, it's, and and it's not this high impact where you're knocking these two things together with a ferro rod it's it's more of this you're making contact with Smooth. your striker and your rod yeah. you're pressing up with one hand down with the other a lot of pressure because the harder you press and the more power you have that's going to be a higher degree spark that you throw so when you start to throw sparks it's pretty easy to throw some sparks, but if they're not falling and bouncing on the ground or over the table or whatever it is that you're lighting over on the rocks, they're they're not the super hot 5,000 degree ones. They're more 1,500, 2,000 degrees, and it's going to be really hard to light, especially natural tinder with mm-hmm. those. You can maybe light a nice fluffy cotton ball, but you've got to push and strike hard, get those bouncing sparks before you really have a good fire starter going there. You do. And and to go back, because there is one more piece I need to add into flint and steel, because it's it's critical to have success. It, it's it's critical. It, it's 
going to lead to success. So what I mean is, when we talked about flint and steel, that is your heat source, but you have to have your tender. But if you go out and find a natural tender, we talked about cedar earlier as our natural tender, our natural fuel, um, you, you almost have to create what's called char cloth or char rope because when we're talking flint and steel, that little spark is is not high heat and it has to catch and begin to, I'll just say, burn on something, right? Grow on something. And so that's when you're creating char cloth. Now, what is char cloth? You are basically, uh, here. here's how we would make it. So when we're teaching this fire and when we're describing these things, uh, if you take an Altoids tin can, can. a tin Square tin, yeah. Square tin. We also have used, uh, we've bought before the uh, gift card tins. Yeah, gift card tins. Yeah. You know, something like that, you're going to place cotton in it. has to be cotton. You know, We cut we, up old t-shirts, we, typically. We do. Um, bandanas, any of those things. Mm-hmm. And you're going to create a pinhole, very tiny hole. And you're, we, you're just going to cut them into little, like, one-by-one one squares. Yeah, yeah. You're going to cut them in squares so they have multiple pieces of char... Right. Whatever we're calling it, char cloth. You can also do this with cotton rope. So types of rope you can you can make char rope, but you you do have to use a piece of char cloth. And so by putting that that I'm gonna say a pin size hole in it, you're gonna place it directly on the fire. And I have done this on my stove before. So um, where are you putting the hole here? This pin size hole. I usually put it on the top of the can. But if you're wanting it waterproof, you may may hide it under the lid on the side. Right. Check out YouTube. All kinds of great, great ideas out there. There's going to be some pressure and some heat that builds up in there. Yeah. So if you don't do that, then your lid's going to pop off and, and you're done. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You have to release some of that pressure, but you, you don't want much, very much oxygen because you want it to leave behind the carbon. Tiny, tiny hole. And so it's a tiny hole. Yeah. And what you're watching for as it's on the fire is you're going to be watching that hole and you're going to begin to see all kinds of, I'm going to call it smoke. Yeah, it's smoke. Um, I know, but it almost looks like water vapor yeah. coming out in a way. And once that stops, I usually leave it on a little longer, but then you're going to take that off and let it cool. So once you don't see anything else coming out of the hole, you know it's almost done. Yeah, so after the smoke stops coming out of the hole, you're going to take your tin out of the fire. Once it cools down, you can open that tin and you'll have little black pieces of cotton. And there will still be enough uh, fiber there left to burn, but they're going to catch so much easier than the raw cotton would have been. Correct. And we now know that you have to have that um, when you're using flint and steel because the sparks are cooler. So let's get back to our ferro rods and our love for them and how we teach with them. So Ben was saying that you've got to have this this, uh, striker in your dominant hand. So for us, we're both right-handed. We're going to have the striker in our right hand. We're going to put the ferro rod in our non-dominant hand. And usually when we're teaching people, we've we've got just a... they're like aluminum cake pans, I guess. Mm-hmm. You buy them at Sam's in a pack of 30, but uh, aluminum baking dish, and we fluff up cotton balls. you got to fluff them up because you want to add some oxygen in there. They're a lot easier to light. And then we're going to go ahead and let them let them strike. And if they master that, we kind of have a progression that we go through on yeah. up yeah. through that. But we love to teach with them, um, starting eight, nine years old up to adults, because it is such a great thing to have. Um, and a great way to have a foolproof fire starter, but you do have to practice and have the skill. It's hard to just be handed one it to is. go use it. Um, so I don't know. I feel like we've done a pretty good job describing what each of those are. I want to know what was your your awakening of your introduction, I guess, to ferro rods and, and the difference between flint and steel. Little Ben story here. Yeah, mine would have come, thinking back, it, w- it would have been in college, and... So like 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Not 40 years ago. Um, I'm just trying to think of his name, and I, I don't remember him, but he was uh, is a classmate of mine. 
Um, I know that he was in the ROTC at the time, and we were doing a leadership trip. Um, and so that's that's exactly when it was. We were out paddling. It was during a four-day paddling trip. And he was kind of a, a minimalist, which in those days I didn't know what that meant. Right. You know, um, when I went backpacking or paddling, I took everything. <laughs> the kitchen sink. Uh, I even took a yeah a cooker that had a, a baking pan. I could bake it. I just took everything. And he was a minimalist, and he had this small North Face backpack. And that's it. Like, he had everything he needed in it for this four-day trip, and I was blown away. And I remember we... We were, we got to camp one night and he's like, "Hey, I'll I'll start a fire for us." And he pulled out what is now what we're talking about a ferro rod. Yeah, and I was blown away, which I'd never seen them before, hadn't heard of them. Um, I'd heard of flint and steel. You'll learn that in in some of the scouts programs and stuff. But I'd never heard of this, never seen this thing. Right. Um, and so for him to use it, get a fire going, I was amazed. I'm like, and it I actually would. Thinking through this, this is probably the start of of my mentalist journey of of what can I start leaving at home yeah. and and using that that's more uh, efficient. Well, that's really good, yeah. And actually, my introduction would have been you. So yeah. as we were working together as as uh, conservation instructors, um, we were teaching mostly children these groups of kids. But I I was still under that whole flint and steel thing. I'm like, oh, is that some kind of modern flint and steel? And you really showed me how to use both. But it really hit me the difference the first time you gave me actual flint and steel and said well try this now that you've done a ferro rod Mm because i still didn't really understand what the difference was and when i went out with a uh basically a it's a piece of steel and it wraps around your knuckles it's made for fire starting it kind of looks like brass knuckles yeah kind of like brass they make them today perfect example yeah and my rock and i'm trying to light this this cotton ball with this it is it is so much more difficult man it is so much more difficult. It's more dangerous. I was busting my knuckles on, on both hands. Well, let's talk about it. I told you that before you started. I you said, did. be it, careful, because remember, we talked earlier that if you're using actual flint rock, that's a hard, sharp edge. So you're basically holding a knife sideways you in your hand. And I mean, as that's... you strike it, it, get, it gets sharper, or all of a sudden, you may bust a big piece off, and you have to kind of rotate that rock in your hand to find that nice, sharp edge. Because now you're actually napping it. Yeah. <laughs> so now you're creating the arrowheads back. Anyway. But that was my realization of, okay, these there's no way these are the same thing. They're totally different. And that's when I kind of, you know, started asking you questions and really diving in so that I could teach. And because that, when you take that, you take that piece of char cloth we, we just talked about mm-hmm. and you either have to place it below the flint rock or above. And as you're beginning to then bring your, your knuckles with, with your, your steel, you know, over your knuckles and you're striking that down, you're hitting along that rock perpendicular right to that rock. You've got to catch that itty bitty tiny spark onto that piece of char cloth either right. above or below, and very difficult. It is. You can sit there and make two thousand sparks, and not a one's going to hit your little char cloth. So it is tough. And there's there's tactics. Um, some people will even hold that char cloth um, and their lower fingers between their pinky and all that, so it's mm-hmm. it's landing on there. There's all kinds of different things. But we have ferro rods. So right. who cares about flint and steel? We right. don't need it anymore, right? Hip, hip, hooray, yes. <laughs> hip, yes. hip, hooray. Some of you may be saying, who cares about a ferro rod? Because we have lighters, Ben and Brian. Well, Ben, why don't you share with everybody what makes a lighter spark? It's funny you say that. I have been asked before, why do you carry a ferro rod instead of a lighter? Yeah. So the irony in that is that inside the lighter is a micro ferro rod. And I say micro because it is yeah. tiny, tiny, tiny. And so that's what they've taken. That's where this really all started from, from flint and steel 
getting into then, you know, actually it'd be a, a match. They started getting matches to then bringing that ferro rod into the scene, which was in our lighters. Right. And so this itty bitty ferro rod that's in there creates that spark. So there's our heat source. When you're talking about a lighter, you have your fuel already in there. But when we talk about survival, most of the, the scenarios you give is that you have a lighter that's punctured, it's out of fuel, or it's just not working. So when you talk about why I would rather have a ferro rod versus a lighter is because that ferro rod we talked earlier, or I talked earlier about it, it's a minimal fail rate. Mm-hmm. Um, you can take that itty bitty ferro rod out of that cigarette lighter and try to use it, but it is so tiny that you, it's just too tiny. So right. carrying a ferro rod is better for me. It stays waterproof. I don't have to worry about the fuel, leaking the fuel, um, all of those things. Yeah, it's not going to... I mean, you can smash a lighter and they'll almost like blow up. So there, you don't have that risk with a ferro rod right. um, at all because it's literally just... I've left them in the sun, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, they've been in, it carried all through wintertime. I mean, they're they're awesome. Right. I think you've even uh, got it on an airplane or two with one on your on your uh, bracelet on your wrist a few times. Well, if you look up your your <laughs> flight, what, what's allowed or not, back when I was flying, uh, they didn't say you couldn't carry it. So I definitely had one in my backpack. Yeah. Yeah. which is which is wild hopefully they've they've caught on to that by maybe, now maybe they maybe maybe, maybe not well we've we've shared with you guys um there is a huge difference between a ferro rod and flint and steel so hopefully next time you guys hear flint and steel used you're going to ask yourself is that really flint and steel that you're using because most of the time you're going to find out that it's not um, hopefully uh, our introductions to ferro rods have been an inspiration to you so now that you know what they are we hope you go introduce yourself to ferro rods That's it for this episode of the Myth Monday podcast. We hope between now and our next episode that you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.